Isn't God so good? Amen. You ready to get in the Word this morning? Yes. Yeah? Maybe? Yes? Okay. Hang with me. I, I feel like this is a message to this morning that's a little bit simple, but God is a, can be a very simple God. We make him a little bit complicated sometimes. So I hope that this speaks to your heart and encourages you. I know that God has encouragement for each one of us, and thank you for sharing that testimony this morning. You know, the devil is a liar, <laughs> and he tries to speak through people to bring, bring to pass his will and not God's will. I'm glad you fought, fought for what God was saying to you in that. What a precious miracle. Amen. How many of you like stories that your parents tell you of yourself when you were a kid that you have no recollection of? I'd like to share one with you this morning. Um, again, I don't remember this. My mom had told me um, when I was a little kid, now I have four siblings, one, a brother who's 10 years older, and then I have two sisters. I have a twin and a sister who's 14 months older. Now, my sisters and I were pretty close growing up, and um, I was considered the smaller one of the three. My nickname was Shorty. Don't ever call me that. I'm not Shorty anymore. Just kidding. Not a bad nickname. And apparently, um, my mom had us, you know, doing chores around the house and make our beds and stuff. But she says, for um, about three months, I convinced my sisters that I was too little to make my bed. And she found out, apparently about one month in, so this is her fault too, um, about one month in that I was doing this and telling my siblings and convincing them that they needed to make my bed for me because I was just too little. And so she let it continue for a few, mo- few more months. So I didn't get in trouble for it. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but you know, some of these attributes that we see ourselves as or we are convinced of this is who we are can carry over into the rest of our life. The I can't because, you ever said those words? I can't because I'm too small. That was my excuse. It kind of carried over even to my own adult life. Or maybe I looked at somebody else and said, well, you know what? They're, they're more spiritual than me. Maybe they can quote scripture better than me. I called myself a wallflower many times. I was very quiet, very introverted, <laughs> very shy. I thought maybe I'd mess up when I'd step out a little bit in faith. Maybe you just consider yourself better than everybody else. It could flip the other way. Like, I don't need to make my bed. They can do it for me. I don't think that was my motive, but just saying that. But how do you see yourself? How is it that you look at yourself? Have you ever said, God can't use me because fill in the blank? Many times this, this comes up when we're being stirred by the Spirit of God to step out in faith. Maybe pray for somebody or share a testimony. Walk up and talk to somebody you've never met. We hesitate. Maybe you stop and actually run the other direction because you think you're inadequate. You have a feeling inside of you of unworthiness. Or you're going to look foolish. You lack wisdom in matters that pertain to the things of Scripture. What is it that you've made an excuse for yourself? God is our strength in our weakness. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. God's strength in our weakness. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29 says this. For you see your calling, brethren, that the wise, the mighty, and the noble are called. Oh, wait. Is that what it says? Every quiet. You were like, all going to just believe me? That's what it says? <laughs> Wow, okay. 
Glad we're in the word this morning. No, it says, for your calling, you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of this world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh will glory in his presence. See, God wants to transform our weaknesses to a place of strength in him so that he will get the glory. What we heard in that testimony this morning, a little child came and prophesied foolishness. You're like, a kid can do that? Did anybody think that? Like, that was your thought? Like, wow. Why should it be wow? It should be, yes, God can use a child to speak the goodness of God. God can also use you to speak his goodness to the world around you. Second Corinthians 12.10 says, when I am weak, say it again, when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's look at an example, if you don't believe me in some of this. There's plenty of examples in the Bible of people who were weak and felt inadequate. And I hope this relates to your heart this morning that you are encouraged that you can still step out because God has a plan and a calling for each and every one of us in this room. One of them was Moses, very kind of prime example for us of someone who was, had insecurities. In Exodus chapter 4, it talks about this journey of Moses. God had shown himself through the burning bush and was calling Moses. He said, I hear the cry of my people, Israel, and I want to take them out from Egypt. So God began to reveal his plan to Moses. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Pharaoh. And I, I want you to, Moses started to think within himself. He's like, no, wait a second. They're not going to believe me that I've heard from you. Do you ever do that when God is asking you to step out in faith, in ministry, or to, to reach out? They're not going to believe me. <laughs> But that's not what God, God is, says, that's not the important part. I want you to obey what I've called you to do. I want you to step out, even when you don't feel like it. So many things in our lives are based on what we feel. Moses said, again, the Lord kept using, using him and showing him and saying, here's what I'm going to have you do. He says, take your rod, throw it on the ground. It becomes a snake. He says, pick it up by its tail. Actually, I love the part where he says, when he threw the rod down and the snake, it turned into a snake. Moses ran away from it. Yeah. I would too. It wasn't like he was full of faith and like, ooh, this is cool, God, thank you. Okay, he still had fears and he picked it up when God said, pick it up. And he said, put your hand in your bosom and it, he pulled it out and it was leprous and he said, put it back in again, it came out. God was showing him even before and this is what I want. They're gonna, if they don't believe that first sign, they're going to believe this sign. If they don't believe that, they're going to believe what you say. But Moses says in verse 10 of chapter 4, he says, oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. But God was still calling. In verse 12, it says, Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what to speak. He kept imploring him, Please step out. Please don't just make an excuse. I have something for you. There's a cry of my people, and I want to use you to deliver them. Do you believe that God wants to use you? That he wants to speak through you in your weakness so that his power can be known? Yes, he says, but, oh Lord, please send someone else. 
I've uttered those words before. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he's coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. And I will teach you both what to do. What I love about this this example in scripture is that even in our weakness, God doesn't always just leave us alone. Sometimes he sends us help. But it's not so that we can hand off the the job to somebody else, like I did with my sisters, making the bed. But it's so that we can do it together because there's strength in numbers. But God kept leaning into Moses and Moses, please, I know you're not eloquent. That's not what I'm looking at. I'm looking at what I can do through you because people are going to see you. He was afraid to go to the Pharaoh and say, they're not going to listen to me. Maybe it was because of the world in which he came from. He, he was an Israelite that grew up in Pharaoh's house. They might have looked at his back and well, wait a minute, you're one of us. How can you ever see somebody who gets saved and then they go try and go back to their friends or witness? They're like, wait a minute, you don't, this isn't you. But you're like, yes, it is me. And it's hard to witness back to those friends who you used to have, isn't it? But God can do it if you allow him to build you up through your weakness. Because our weaknesses are supposed to confound the wise. It's got to be his glory of him and not of us. Another example is Gideon. This story proves that God can accomplish great things through people who forget about their human weakness and trust in God and obey his leading. In Judges chapter 6, verses 11 through 16, let's read this together. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Again, calling out and speaking to us. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has this happened to us? Where are all the miracles our fathers told us about? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us in the hands of the Midianites. Sometimes the world can look a little bleak. And we can begin to question what God is speaking and what he's doing. But God keeps on. He says, this is not it. He says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? He said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Why are you picking me? Behold, my clan is the weakest in all Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. Why me? Don't you see who I am? Don't you see the frailty of this person? I am nothing. I I can't do this. And the Lord said, but I will be with you. And you will strike the Midianites as one man. Because, friends, this is what God intends for us, to take our weakness so he can be glorified. It's the foolishness. He uses the foolishness of preaching and our weaknesses so that he can be glorified because then it's not dependent upon us. He deserves the glory. He does a miracle. He deserves the glory. 
He delivers a whole nation. He deserves the glory. It's by his power and by his spirit, not ours. But he chooses to look at us and say, I want to use you to walk in my purpose. I want to use you to release miracles. Of Jesus, it is said of this in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 4. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. So we need to get low so he can get high. He needs to be lifted high. It's okay to know that you have weaknesses because that's where God wants to work. That's where he wants to do his miracles and his power. You know, we can list so many more people in scripture that have tried to maybe they have stopped reaching or maybe they could have stopped reaching, but they decided to stand in faith, walking in his purpose, even in difficult circumstances, not giving up. And maybe this will speak to some of your circumstances and your reasoning for not stepping out. Joseph was ridiculed by his own family. They even tried to kill him. I don't know if that's your scenario today. Maybe tried to kill you lately. Throw you in a pit. Maybe you feel that way. He was tossed aside. And later in life, he, he was even thrown in prison, forgotten. And all of these things, he said, well, Lord, you don't love me. Why would this happen to me? You had a purpose for me. You showed me dreams. Where are those dreams coming true? I don't see it. All this tragedy is happening to me. He goes, poor me. But he decided to keep trusting the Lord to see his promise revealed no matter where he was, even in the prison house. Because God had a place for him in the palace to deliver many people and save them alive. And that's God's purpose and everything he asks you to do. When you're walking through the, the grocery store or in the park and you have, feel that, that maybe a nervous energy or you're, you're just, oh, I, I see that person, I really want to talk to them. Any of you feel like that? Okay, two of you. Anybody else felt like that? You feel that urge and that nudging? And how many times do we say, no, that's, I can't. I, I don't know if they're going to hear me or what if I don't say the right thing? I thank God for the many, many opportunities and many nudges again and again where I have failed in stepping out because of my own insecurities and weaknesses. But the moment I do, you know how, how good that feels to say, God, I thank you that it wasn't me, that you had something to share with that person. We've got to stop looking at ourselves and looking at God and looking at his purpose for the person because they matter. Job went bankrupt and lost his entire family. But he never denied God in all his loss. Not once. And even in the end, he had to release the forgiveness to his friends who gave him all that awesome chapters and chapters of counsel. (laughs) Chapters. You ever had a friend like that? They want to tell you? No, just don't look around the room. (laughs) Or maybe... You look at somebody like Rahab. She was a prostitute, but she was saved by believing in who the, in the power of God, and she saved the spy. She said, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to let you on the wall. She was in the lineage of Jesus. God can take what was meant for evil and turn it for good in anybody's life. 
Maybe you're stuck in sexual sin, but I'll tell you what, God can deliver you from that and he can release his power through the testimony of what he's done in your life. It's about how you're going to let him in to touch those weak spots, to reveal his power. See, it doesn't matter where you came from or what you look like. God picks us all. The question is, will you remain in the pit? Will you remain lost in grief? Will you continue in the lifestyle that you're in and keep saying, I can't? Or will you allow God to give you strength to endure, give you healing from your loss, freedom in a new life, and a voice that cries out, my God can. We should never shrink away from God because of our weakness. But we need to learn to run to him. And it's not always easy that when he's pointing out a weak place in your life, to run to him. And say, God, teach me. Empower me. I want to accomplish your will. Let his power be demonstrated in your weakness today, church. I'll share a couple personal testimonies with you of places that God did this for me in my life. I'm still still in in process (laughs) working on these things. One of my, when I was in college, one of my downfalls was being so introverted and so nervous about talking in groups. And it could be because I had two very social sisters, talkative. It's hard to get a word in. If you see us all together, it really is hard to get a word in edgewise. My husband knows that very well. Um, And I wasn't very good at speaking out, speaking up. It was hard. It was hard for me, not just with them, but in groups. I got very nervous. I loved sitting over in the corner. Some of you extroverts are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I go and find a couple people, and I would just sit, and I would talk in the corner with them. I'd be content just to find one person to talk to. That was me. But I felt a nudging of the Lord saying, I need this to change in you. And I was like, well, why? I wrestled with this. I was like, well, this, is, this, is just, this is who I am. I'm the wallflower. I just, I'm in the background. I'll, I'll be the servant. But God had another plan for me, but I didn't know what that plan was. He just said, I want you to learn to speak out in larger groups. I was like, okay, how do I do this? So I went to one of the most social people I had. He's a leader of our our college ministry. Actually, my cousin, I said, okay, here's what God is telling me, and I have no idea how to do this. So practically, he's like, and this might seem silly to you, but I was so hungry to just obey what God was doing, but I just didn't know how to get there. So he said, just start 10 minutes. Every time you're in a large group, just say something. One sentence. Then talk for five minutes. Just start doing it. I remember at least three months, petrified, out of my skin, nervous, sweating, just to say something out loud in a group of people. But what's amazing to this day is that people think I'm an extrovert. I still am an introvert, (laughs) y'all. I like my alone time. I love you too. Okay. But God can transform our weakness into a strength because he has a purpose. He has a purpose for what she wants to do. After this point, you know what God did for me? I went on a missions trip. This is his power demonstrated. Again, me, the shy, didn't want to talk in front of people. We were a mission opportunity in Russia. And, um... I know lots of my friends were sharing. They were getting opportunities to speak. And I was like, well, maybe I want to, but I don't know what to. And I just I started getting anxiety. And our, one of our leaders there said, okay, tomorrow you're going to share to a first grade class. I'm like, okay. 
I can do that. I teach Sunday school. Okay. And then in the morning, we get to the, we on our way to the school and our interpreter says, oh, you're going to just teach a first grade class and a sixth grade class together. And I'm like, wait, what? I can't do that. I like, I had confidence before and now I'm like, wait, no way. I, that's two different age groups. How are you supposed to preach the gospel to a first grader and a sixth grader? I mean, you can, but trust me, it's difficult. And I just started getting really anxious. And my, one of my leaders just stopped me and prayed with me and said, let me pray with you because God's got something for you. And I was ready to back out. I was like, I don't, I don't think I can do this. But I was like, God, I just want to obey you. I want it to be you. I want you to do something. Set me aside so that you will be glorified. So we get to the school, and they walk us into this room. I think we're going into a classroom. Walk into an auditorium full of first through sixth graders. I think something got lost in translation with about 400 kids. And I'm thinking, you've taken a, a young girl who has no desire to speak only in small groups and put me before an audience of 400. I, I still was ready to back out. I'm like looking at, around, does somebody else want to take this today? I was nervous. And so they start going some of their program. We were doing puppets and I think there was some music involved. And after the, the puppets, which little thing was almost done, and our, our interpreter turns and said, you've only got 10 minutes left. And I was like, can you make this any harder? <laughs> 10 minutes, how much does your reliance now just even more so rely on Jesus to do something? God, I can't. In 10 minutes, I don't know how to preach the gospel, so they will respond to you. But here we go. I don't remember a word that I said. <laughs> I don't. But I do remember that more than half of that room raised their hands at the end because God be glorified. They responded to Jesus, not me. It wasn't my way. It wasn't my decision. It wasn't the way I thought it would go. But because I said, Jesus, I just want what you want. Help me to walk even when I'm nervous, even when I'm uncomfortable. Make me uncomfortable so that I can continue to walk in your purpose. Not so that I can have a platform and just share this. I just want to see people know who you are. And if you will just use me even for 10 minutes, it's worth it all. Hallelujah. But if we say no and we walk in fear of the what ifs, or if we stop responding because we believe a lie about who we are or who God is, we miss the opportunities to see God move in his power. Many of us ask God, God, move in your power today. Let me see your power. Let me see your miracles. Anybody like that? I like that. I want to, I ask for that all the time. But sometimes he just wants to do it through you. Maybe you're sitting here in church and you feel the spirit of prophecy coming up and you're like, I've never done that before. I don't know that I could. I know that that person always does. I'll just let them do it. Let God take that weakness. If he's talking to you about it, it means he wants you to step into it and not be afraid of it. Because Satan's trap here, friends, is to twist God's word. To make it sound what he's saying is untrue. Because God has promises, but Satan always gets in there, doesn't he? He'll twist it just a little and say, no, not really. God doesn't really have that for you. In 2 Corinthians eleven three, 3, it says, But I fear lest somehow, as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted by the simplicity that is in Christ. Again, God is simple. He has simple things, simple tasks. Teach you to be social. Teach you to speak out. Teach you to pray. Amen. You have a fear of praying? Well, maybe you need to come to prayer. 
a simple task. But the enemy gets in there and just says, you can't. That was lies over my life too, that I can't pray out. I can't get the words right. I stumble over them. I, I stutter when I pray and I still have those fears, you guys. You might not see that. I still have those fears. I tremble. I don't want to get up there. You want me to do what? Maybe you don't see that. I said, we'll talk later. But Satan slandered God and told Eve that God did not mean what he said. Because it's not just about you believing in yourself. It's you believing in God's promise. When he's speaking something to you and you don't respond to it, you're saying, I don't believe you, God. And it's okay to ask questions. That's what Gideon did. God, wait a minute. Help me with this. Gideon put a fleece before the Lord. God, if this is really you, please show me again. But don't just run away from it and say, "Uh uh-uh. There's an author named Tennyson who wrote, he said, a lie that is a lie can be met and fought outright. But a lie that is partially true is harder matter to fight. That's what Satan does. He gets in there and just kind of twists twist the truth just a little bit. Because he says, you can't. You've got to go, no, you're right. I can't. But God can. You see how that is? You, you have to learn to fight by the power of his word. That's why with Ephesians 6 is we have to put on the whole armor of God that we can stand our ground. I got this new t-shirt. I'm into certain t-shirts with phrases on. Like a, not today, Satan. I almost wore it today. But uh, <laughs> I like it because sometimes I'm like, you know what? I need this today. Not today, Satan. Get behind me. I'm going to follow Jesus even if it kills me. Second Corinthians 10, verse 4 through 5 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. You guys, these are strongholds. Your weaknesses can become strongholds. And you can just sit there and you can be like, I'm weak, I can't. You can. You can live your life that way. But that's not what God intended because he wants to use the foolish things in your life. What seems minuscule, what seems small, what seems hard. He wants to put his glory through that and reveal himself to the world. You got to know what God's word says so that when the enemy of your soul tells you you're weak, you can fight back with the truth and says, no, I'm a, according to Isaiah 40, verse 31, in him I am strong. When the enemy suggests to you you're a failure, you can refute him with the truth that says, according to Romans 8, 37, I am more than a conqueror. If you don't know what to say, people, go to his word. The truth is in his word about who you are. Maybe he suggests to you that you're not important. So you say, oh, Deuteronomy 7, 6 says, I'm God's treasured possession. Maybe the enemy says you're rejected. You say, no, I am accepted in Christ. That's in Ephesians. When the enemy tries to convince you that nobody likes you, you can fight back and you say in Psalm 17, I'm the apple of God's eye. But most of you don't believe that. You look and go, that's for somebody else. Maybe the enemy tells you that you're a victim. But in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, it says, in Christ, I am victorious. You are not alone. Joshua 1, 1, 5 says, he tells us, you will not be alone. I will always be with you. I receive that promise. God, you are always with me. Maybe he even tells you you're ugly. No one's going to see you. There's all kinds of lies that he comes at us with. We say, no, in Psalms 139, it says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. These are just examples I want to get into your spirit. So you say, this is how I fight my, is how I fight my battles. What is that song? Is that a, okay. Don't ask me titles of songs. I don't know them. But let's fight the enemy with God's word. It's so powerful and so strong. Not today, Satan. Not today. 
Another weakness that we may have is actually flaunting our strengths. You may not see this as a weakness, but I do, because pride doesn't make you powerful. It makes you useless. I heard this comedian, pretty funny story. I know we're going a little bit long this morning, but hang with me. You guys good? All right. A comedian shared this story about one-upping. You know, you, you tell us to tell a story of something that happened to you, and someone comes back with, oh, well, you want to know what happened to me? You ever, you ever have those, friend, in your life? Again, don't look around the room. But he tells a story about, um, I, I'm, I'm going to tell my story about my, getting my wisdom teeth out, and he's like, well, I had two wisdom teeth pulled out. That's actually my sister. I looked at that, I'm like, you only had two? <laughs> well, and this person goes, oh, no, no, wait, wait, wait. You don't understand. You only had two. I had four. Well, actually, no, I had six. No, I had, I had nine. Actually, nine. I had this, and they were all impacted, and I had no anesthesia, and they pulled them out with pliers, and that afternoon, I was eating corn. <laughs> Those of you who have your wisdom teeth out, sound like a true story? But what we do is we kind of puff ourselves up. We like to tell stories that make us seem more important. This is a weakness in us because what happens is God is now not glorified. You are glorified. So there's a kind of a pandemic, I call it, in the church that has created theology around the ability to be weak and be vulnerable. They want to puff their stories up and say, I'm important. See where I come from. Maybe you don't see this in your own life, but maybe you've even sat there listening to me this morning and you say, I can do better than her. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> Does it? Not a high bar to reach, okay. <laughs> maybe you can do better. Or when someone brings something to your attention, maybe you get defensive and the Lord's bringing something up and they, someone goes, hey, this is going on and I think maybe you need to, to look at this and you want to shoot the messenger. <laughs> you get defensive. Because you're like, that's not me. What are you talking about? Maybe you need to just take those things before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want to do with this? Is this something you want to change in my life? Because you do. You have to take things that people say to you. And um, say, Jesus, is this you or was that just them? Now, this isn't a license to go walking around and being the fault police and saying, let me see what you, tell you what you did. Okay. This is, I want to be humble before the Lord. Lord, show me where I need to change. But, you know, sometimes we, we often go to conferences, not as much anymore in the fellowship that we're a part of, but we've, I know I've been to many conferences where you come back from a conference, like you're a minister and you go to a kids ministry conference or you go to a youth pastor conference and all the people around you are like telling you all the great things that they've done and they've accomplished. They always ask you, how many numbers do you have in your youth group? You're like, I come from a small church and it's like 10. <laughs> And they're like, oh, we got 50, and we got 150, we got 1,000. And they tell these glory stories, which isn't wrong to share what God is doing, but it's the way you do it. It's the way you share it. Is it exhortation? Is it edifying? Or the people come, I feel like sometimes it's name dropping. The who's who of elite, who's who of elite ministries. I don't, there are people sitting in this room, you would not believe some of the shoulders they've rubbed up against. But what I love about those people who are, have done that, they're not glorifying themselves. They may share their stories once in a while, but they're just like, God, you be glorified. Thank you for that opportunity. To God be the glory. We are to boast in him and not in our own. 2 Corinthians 10 says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. It's not the one who commands himself who is approved, but the one who the Lord commands. You know, Jesus didn't promote himself and we're to be just like him. 
He didn't manipulate people to follow him. He didn't come as a superhero. Why people say he died in weakness is because they thought dying was, it was not a victory. It was, it was defeating. Like, he's not, why would he die? It's the opposite. His power was revealed through his death and resurrection. That's why his power is revealed in our weakest moments. But we have to lay it down at his feet. You know, the, the world says, do it this way. Like when we go to the conferences, hey, if you do this mechanism over here and you do this over here, then you're going to get those results. I still hear this today. You're going to get results if you do it this way. And I love the example of David where he's, he learned out in the field as a shepherd how to defeat a lion and a bear. He's like, this is who, no one saw that. No one got the glory. It's just what he did through him. And he comes before the, the army of the Philistines and He's like, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? He did have confidence. But Saul also wanted to put his armor on him. You are not to put on someone else's armor. You're not to walk in someone else's ministry. God has something for you. It's going to look different. Many times, often, church, I'll be really honest this morning. When I'm sharing, sometimes when I'm preparing, I'm like, I can't do this like my husband I think he's an amazing preacher, and he shares with me. I, and I stand there, and I'm like, I can't do it this way. I can't, I'm not like him. And I compare myself, and then I get defeated. I say, God, no, I need you to work through me, because you have something to share through me, and I just want to be available. Maybe that's too honest for you this morning, but that's the way I feel. You know, D- David, even though he was accomplished, he boasted and learned, he said, the Lord... In 1 Samuel 17, 37, he said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. He knew what God could do. I know many of you know what God can do in your life. You just have to recognize it. And you need to release it and keep saying, God, I know what you can do. You can take this weak place and you can make it, your, make it strong. But sometimes it can be at our strongest moments that we can be at our weakest. David, at the height of his conquering days, Y'all know this story. I think sometimes we forget to tell these stories. At the height of his conquering days, he went after another man's wife. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So we need to be careful both ways. One, in our weakness, that we don't just make excuses and never walk in the purpose of God, or we get so high and mighty and we forget that the glory belongs to him no matter if we've got a strength in something or become strong in something. The glory belongs to him and he wants to work through every part. We need to boast in God in all that we do. Don't turn his glory on you. In everything, if he... If you're teaching a Sunday school class and it goes really well and the kids are responding to Jesus, give him glory. Thank you, Lord, for letting me be a part. If he asks you to preach on the mission field to thousands, drop to your knees and say, Jesus, thank you. I boast in you. This is your doing. Let me not be seen. They may never remember. I don't want them to remember who I am. I want them to remember that they heard Jesus today. You know, Jesus chose, one last example for you, Jesus chose 12 very imperfect disciples. They weren't strong preachers. They weren't full of faith. They weren't full of understanding. So if you need to be encouraged, I want you to read all about them. But they were willing to follow. 
willing to learn, willing to let go of their own theologies, willing to part with their own traditions, accept correct, correction, change careers. You know, Peter, even the height of his following Jesus, he denied him. Maybe for fear of the repercussions, Jesus was about to go down on the cross. I don't want to go down on the cross. I don't know. Jesus, I don't know you. We know that story. But what turned around? That weak place of like, I'm not sure. Uncertainty or I did turn away from you, Lord. That, do you know what I'm talking about? That place of uncertainty. In Acts, we see that he refused to stop preaching even when he was threatened with death. So it turned around. So I don't know where you are. If you're on a high, you're on a low, the mountaintop, the valley. God can turn everything around. Thomas even doubted the resurrection of the Lord, but Jesus still came and said, here, see my hands. Let me show you. I'm real. Believe. Have faith. And what did Thomas end up doing? He ended up taking the gospel to East India. God can turn it around into places where you're like, I'm doubting. I'm not sure. Or maybe you've even walked away from God. God can turn it around. In my strengths, I must rely on God, but rather boast. I need to boast in my weaknesses so that he can be strong. Amen. You know what, church? I think we need to be a church. People are afraid to come to Christianity sometimes because we make it look all perfect. <laughs> We're not perfect. If you're perfect, you can come see me afterwards. I'll pray for you. I'll make you laugh. Would you stand with me this morning? Can you say this morning, my God can? My God can. If you are weak and you hear God speaking to you this morning and saying, I have some areas where God's been kind of poking at. And I've responded, God, you can't. Not me. Pick somebody else. Then this message is for you this morning. I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. And just allow God to talk to you right where you are. We all have downfalls. We all have hindrances that keep us from growing and moving on in God. But he just says, come and lay them down at my feet. Where you are weak, I want to be strong. So maybe where you've said, no, God, you can't do this through me. Lay that down at his feet and say, God, I accept what you say over me. I accept your word, your way. Not my will, but yours be done. Every area, every insecurity, God can do it. He does the impossible every single day, every single hour. The impossible is made possible. There's impossibilities and mountains that need to be removed in this very room, in your life. But my God can. God, you can remove the insecurities. You can remove those weak places because all we want is for you to be glorified. If your eyes are on him, you won't seek. You may fail sometimes, but he won't fail. First of all, this morning, as your eyes are closed, 
If you've never received Jesus in this place, I want to give you that opportunity. He's calling you back to him today. Maybe you walked away years ago, or maybe you're just not right with him. Maybe you've been messing up here and there, and you're saying, I just need to make my my life right with him today. I want you to come now. Just come on up here to the front. If that's you, don't hesitate. Don't wait another moment. Say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I want you in my life. I need you as my Lord and my Savior. If that's you, just come forward. If you're standing here and you say, I see the weak places where I said, God, you can't. You can point it at you. The Holy Spirit is just speaking to your heart. And you're like, I, yes, Lord, I want, I want all that you have. And I want to lay this weakness at your feet so that you can be glorified. I want to stop making excuses. I want you to come and to stand here before this altar and lay it at his feet. It's time to stop making excuses. Some of you, maybe this is going to be a time where God is going to call you a renewal of your calling because you said, no, God, you can't. I'm not called. Maybe some of you will find new confidence in areas you've struggled with. God wants to give you that confidence this morning. I believe someone's ears are being opened to hear him speak as you've never heard him speak before. You're going to hear him very audibly this morning. So just ask him for that. Lift your hands and just say, God, yes. Just say yes to him. This is all this is. Responding is just saying, yes, Lord. I believe God is lifting anxiety and fear. If you're dealing with anxiety and fear, this is for you. Let him deliver you from that anxiety and that fear this morning. I believe there's someone here that there's going to be a new friend that is going to come alongside you like with Moses. He's going to walk alongside you and encourage you in the things of God and you're going to walk together as a team so that you know that you are not alone. I believe there's someone here who's been in, who's in a business. I don't know if it's a recent promotion that you've received but you're working harder than ever, even long, long hours. But God says to you, don't rely on your natural strength. God wants to release his supernatural power through you to demonstrate to your work co-workers who he is, because they're going to look at you and say, how are you doing all of this in such a short amount of time? And then you can respond and say, my God can people are going to begin to wonder who is this God that you serve that makes this possible if that's for you this morning just lift your hand and say that's me I want to receive that word today let's just pray for a moment church will you all just lift your hands I know we're almost done just lift your hands everybody in this room Father, we know that you can do all things. We thank you that you want to do miracles through our lives, that you want to work through us. And I thank you for that opportunity. That you, we ask, God, that you would not pass us by in this time or in this season. Oh, God, that you would not pass us by. That we would not, I want to be a part of what you're doing, Lord. I want to be involved and I want to be a part. I want you to use me. Whether I live or whether I die, I want to be used by you, God. Your purpose, your plan, not my own. 
So God, if you, if you speak to me, help me to respond to your word. Help me to respond to your voice and walk towards you, not run away from you. God, forgive me in those areas where I have said, no, you can't. Where I've not taken you as your word. I've, I've believed a lie, so I cast down every lie this morning over every person in this, in this place this morning that it says you can't. We condemn that lie in the name of Jesus. We release the truth of your word. God, all things are possible with you. God, even in this place, I release miracles. I ask that you would set people free where they don't believe they can be set free. God, I ask that you would set them free by the power of your word this morning. Every addiction be gone in the name of Jesus.